Holy Spirit, Jesus said, he's gone to prepare a place for us. When he was leaving, he says, in my father's house, there are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place. But he said, I won't leave you as orphans. I'll send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been sent to prepare us for the place we're going. The Holy Spirit is working in each one of us this very day, if you are a believer. If you are a believer, you have been born again from above, meaning born of the Spirit, not of the flesh, not of water, but born of the Spirit of God. You're a new creation in Christ. You are, in fact, a spiritual entity. I think one of the greatest things the enemy wants to do is to have us operate just in our natural strengths when we have so much more available to us in the Holy Spirit. He convicts us of sin. There's no man that does that. He may use a man to bring a message or a word that that happens, but it's the Holy Spirit who convicts us. Every time we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, we mean that we believe there's a living God able and willing to enter human relations, human personality and change it. This morning, I want to segue into prayer. Um, prayer is a weapon, and I find that much prayer is usually in crisis, you know, when, oh, God, God, help us. And that's a good place to be. He brings us to, as C.S. Lewis said, pain is a megaphone to a deaf world. And when we're in pain or process or difficulty, we tend to pray more or we pull all the way back and say, Why, what is God doing? But if you could join with me this morning in saying that prayer is basically a relationship and that you can go to Luke 11. It's also um, has to be taught. Huh. Now, according to what I read in the scriptures, it says um, there's no um, thing about training to heal the sick, training to evangelize. This is how you do it. We go out and we say this and do that. It's the one thing they say is here in Luke 11. Let's bring that up, 11.1. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place. Now, what, was that, what did that look like to you? Was he like this? Was he on his face? Was he, was he like this, sitting down and just kind of contemplating? Something was going on. They, they saw that he was praying. And after he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, he is talking to Orthodox Jews that went to the temple all the time, and prayer was a huge part of their life. And he said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy, your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread or the bread we need for the moment. And forgive us our sins as we forgive others. Everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to him, suppose one of you has a friend. And he goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves. 
All right, I want to ask a question. How many have had anybody show up at their house in the last five years at midnight with an urgent need for some kind of thing? How many of you would be happy if you locked your door, shut off the lights, you went to bed, you had a full day, and at midnight, hey, hey, I need, I need, I need, I need. You've got to picture this. They didn't have, I mean, in those days, you couldn't go to a, uh, a motel or someplace to stay or go buy food. Here's a check. Go get some food and put them at the uh, Motel 6. It wasn't that way. He goes to him at midnight and says, give me three loaves, please. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and says, don't bother me. Are you serious? There's another plan. You've got to have an answer besides me. Don't bother me. Don't bother me. How many times in my life has God been doing something and I say, don't bother me? Don't bother me. I've got more to say grace over than everybody. I've got to do all this. I can't, don't bother. No. Don't bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. More like I won't get up and give you anything. All right. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is a, fr because he is a friend, that wasn't what got him out of bed. It was because of his persistence he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say, ask, and it will be given to you. Would you say that with me? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek. And you will find. Knock, and it shall be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Do you believe that statement? Some, one of the scriptures says, uh, we have not because we ask not. And when we ask, we ask amiss. Meaning that we might be asking for the wrong thing, but... When you ask according to the will of God, he's got something to be received. And he, will, he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Continue. Now suppose one of your fathers is asked by his son for a fish. So who's a proud father here with a young son? Okay, Rudy. Rudy, your proud father. So Rudy, he, so Nathan goes up and says, hey, Dad, can I have the fish? And you said, sure. And you hand him a rattlesnake. <laughs> Not as a joke, but he's, he's, trying to, he's juxtapositioning this that we're afraid sometimes to ask because we think God's going to do something we don't want him to do, and we're in control. Why don't we let God be God? He's on the throne, not me, not us. And he says, will he not, instead of a fish, will he? Next verse. Or if he asks for an egg, he'll not give him a scorpion, will he? If then you being evil, now that's a tough word. I don't think I've ever called the church evil. But he was talking to these same people. He just said, you being evil. Know how to give good gifts to your children. That's an interesting thought too, that evil people know how to give good gifts. How much more your heavenly Father give? How much more will your heavenly Father give what? 
the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. The Holy Spirit is right there to be asked for, to fellowship with, to lead us, to speak to us, and to guide us, to reveal Christ. The Holy Spirit will restrain us at times from doing things we shouldn't do. He'll provoke us at times to do some other things that we would never do on our own initiative because the Spirit of God dwells in us. So as we think of receiving the Holy Spirit, I want to think about prayer. Just listen to these scriptures on prayer. Philippians 1.3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer. We, thank, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, praying always for you. Philippians 1.4, 2 Timothy 1, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Do you know that to give this message, I had to go down a big list because I can't really tell you this unless I'm doing this. I can't get up here and tell you I constantly remember you in your prayers if I don't constantly remember you in my prayers. This is a big group. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of constantly remember. I can't, I'm not saying I do it perfectly, but whenever, by God's grace, I want to pray. And I so much appreciate prayers for me. And then he says, for this reason, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. In Colossians, he says, devote yourselves to prayer. There's a lot of things in Scripture about devotion, but what about prayer? Just do a, a check right now and say, am I devoted to prayer? Don't condemn yourself. Just ask yourself. The church began in a prayer meeting before uh, prayer preceded Pentecost. He says in Timothy, first of all then, which means first, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. So God harnesses himself to our prayers in the mystery of his sovereignty and our free will. Bring up Matthew 5, 6. I'm going through a lot of scripture, but I'll get there. Matthew 6, 5 and 6. Matthew 6. Now, if you pray, what is this? Does your say if or when? Anybody say, anyone, anyone have if in their Bible? No ifs. It's all when. Okay, so that means, uh, raise your hand if you've ever prayed. Okay, I know, I know. Okay, you have. Okay, so when you do this, this is what he's looking for. This is what God is looking for. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, the Pharisees in that day used to stand in the street corners and, you know, pray out loud. It was the same in the Middle Ages. Monks and priests would beat themselves to mortify their members and try to create an outward holiness. You see it all the time in religious things. But he's saying, when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites. And that comes from the Greek that, I think, Hippocrates, that they wore mask when they went into, uh, you've probably seen old Greek tragedies where they put on a mask, a happy mask or a sad mask. It was called Hippocrates, meaning a hypocrite, because when they put on 
the sad mass, it didn't mean they were happy, or the happy mass didn't mean they were sad. It was like it created a false impression. So don't be a hypocrite. Don't present something about yourself that's not true about yourself. That's what he's saying. Don't, don't go around pretending you're one thing and you're not, especially before me, your Lord and Savior. How can you come? I know who you are. I made you. I created you. I've called you. So he says, for, uh, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have the reward in full. But you, if, no, when you pray, it's correction, when you pray, go into your inner room. Close your door. Shut off your phone. And pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who is in secret, sees what is done in secret, will reward you. I don't know what that reward is for you, but there is a reward when you do this. There is something about you stopping your busy day, stopping all the stuff that's going on. And I, I got to tell you, I've, I've been talking about this. When, we, when I started as pastor, all we had was a typewriter. Computers weren't even being used. Nobody had a cell phone yet. And I mean, now, I, I, it's crazy. I mean, Dudley and I can be sitting in our living room, and she's doing this, and I'm doing this. We're, we're, we're all connected, doing all this stuff. But, and we can't go to sleep. If you hear a beep on your phone, you've got to get it. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And people, some of you are handling it better than others. But to do what I'm saying, you've got to unplug. You got to unplug from the kids. You got to unplug from your husband. You got to unplug from your wife. And you have to be individually alone getting this time. There's no substitute for you. There's no formula. And, and fathers can't say I'm too busy with all my responsibilities. Mothers can't say the kids never give me a time to rest. You can't, excuses grow lame, but it's a place where the father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Hallelujah. Prayer is not a religious performance. Closet prayer will bring authenticity to your spiritual life. Elizabeth Elliot uh, said one time, I heard her speak at a ministerial association. She said, whatever you are in private, before God is really who you are. That's what it is. And if that's not authentic, then what creates, we create a shell. We create a persona of what we're like. And who wants to live propping up a persona? It's just like you have this gift God's given you and he loves you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And in a way, you, no one else can bring the joy to God that you can because you're so different. I've often used the analogy, uh, we had four children. Each of the children blessed us in different ways. And each of you blessed God in different ways, although we all worship and we all have the same Bible. But it, it, it's, it's you responding to him. So there are um, obstacles or overcoming hindrances that are difficult in prayer. And the first one I want to say that would, I want to go through this just to, to say, with the Holy Spirit, knowing that the Holy Spirit dwells in you, 
and knowing that we're to pray in the Holy Spirit and know that uh, the Spirit of God is, uh, we pray in and through the Spirit of God that you are spiritual people. We're worshipers. We worship in spirit and truth. Come, Holy Spirit. But these are blocks with the Holy Spirit. And the first one is unconfessed sin. When you or I have sin in our life, and we know it, and we hide it, it leads to performance and defensiveness. The antidote in John, uh, James 5.16 says, therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another. And in 1 John, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us. So another part of this unconfessed sin is that confession should be a regular, regular part of our lives. Uh, was there a men's meeting this morning? Anybody confess? Jared, you did? Okay, good. You, you needed to. Uh, <laughs> the men get together, and I don't think it's like a boo-hoo or any of that. It's, but men will share, yeah, I, I, I think I'm dropping the ball here or something. They're confessing sin or missing the mark. You cannot, if you perfect yourself in isolation, you'll be in isolation when you're perfected. Like iron sharpening iron, so one man sharpens another. A second roadblock besides is the lack of sincerity. And this is in Isaiah uh, 29, 13. Because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me, and their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. I don't question some of uh, evangelists on TV. I mean, God's blessed them and all, and I know some of you have your favorite ones. But I, I have been in meetings where somebody gets up there and says, I just really love you. I love you, I love you so much. There's 50,000 people out there. And what is that? How is love personified in that? Love is sacrifice. What does it mean? It means I could see someone saying, I love God and I'm so grateful to be here and God loves you. But we, we, love is a cheap thing that's thrown out. And it's very easy to be less than sincere. And God wants our hearts. Third blockage would be wrong motives. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all the things that you need will be added to you. Prayer clarifies our motives and strengthens our trust. A fourth block would be unbelief. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. In Hebrews, he said, Israel did not enter in his rest because of unbelief. Your faith tied with prayer is the spiritual currency of your life. Can I get an amen? Are you listening? Tell you, when you talk about prayer, it's like a zzz. 
You know why prayer? Prayer is hard work. Prayer is, I mean, I, you want to, okay, you walked with Jesus his whole life, whole three years. You walked on water. You've seen the 5,000. You've seen Jairus' daughter healed. You've seen the leper, and you've seen this. You've seen that. You've seen money out of a fish. And and he's just finished John 14, 15, 16, 17 about all that he's going through. And he goes out to the Garden of Gethsemane and he says, I'm going to pray. Stay stay with me in prayer. And Jesus goes, a stone throws away. And the three patriarchs, Peter, James, and John, crash. And Jesus comes back. Hey, 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 wake up, wake up. He said, can't you stand with me one hour? Think of what they've seen. Please, come on. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Uh, okay, okay, Lord, we got it. He goes back over. They're gone again. He comes back. And then he just says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. One of the things about prayer is I doubt that there's not a person here that's not desiring or willing to pray more, that you have a willing spirit. But the flesh, it's weak. And so it takes real intentionality to pray. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Another blockage is satanic activity. We fall into Satan's schemes when we reject or ignore God's standards. Now, just for that, I just want to say deception, despair, and destruction of your life is the enemy's goal. That's what he wants. He wants to ruin your family. He wants to ruin your life. He wants to ruin your children. Everything that you hold dear, he would like to destroy right now if he could. But he can't. Not because anything good in us, but because our Lord and Savior is guarding us. But that doesn't mean that you, you and I won't have tragedy, you and I won't go through deep, dark nights of the soul and all of that, but it does mean that we're convinced that neither height nor depth nor power nor principality nor things present nor things to come will be able to separate us from. And he's with us in the storm, and he's with us by the seashore. He's with us everywhere. And the enemy, we're, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And he says in Ephesians 6, 12, bring that one up, Peter. He says, put on the full armor of God. 6, 12. 6, 13. Well, I've got it wrong then. It's, it says praying in the Holy Spirit. So praying at all, 318, I'm sorry, 318. 618. There we go. Okay, now listen. This is for everyone here. I'm sorry. With all prayer, we really need to bolster that in us. And petition. God doesn't have anything more important to do than for you to pray to him. I've heard that all the time, that false humility. He's got bigger things to handle than me. That's true, but 
a hair of your head doesn't fall to the ground without him knowing about it. Pray at all times in the spirit. I got to lay hold of what God's saying. When this happened many years ago to Cade, I had to pray in the spirit. I had to, I had to get to play groanings too deep to utter down there with the spirit and my spirit, and we really did business. Spiritual things break in the heavenlies. You've got power if you use it. Lord, I just thank you for this meal and the hands that prepared it. Of course I pray. It is good to do that. I don't mean that every prayer is long and gut-wrenching. Prayer is oxygen for us. If I cut off everybody's oxygen in this room within about probably five minutes, everyone would die. The enemy wants to keep you from prayer. He wants you to be distracted. He wants you... He doesn't want you to take stock of yourself and be alone in your closet talking to him and praying to him and inquiring of him. He doesn't want you to get that close. I don't know what number I am. This is another blockage to prayer. This one you're going to really love is domestic problems. Anybody have domestic problems in here? Good, thank you. Adam. We got Adam. Um, it says in 1 Peter 3, a husband is to live in a humble and understanding way with his wife or his prayers will be hindered. For all married men here this morning, your prayers don't go past the ceiling if you don't live with your wife in an understanding way. It's useless. I don't care... If you have your quiet time for an hour every day and read your Bible, ugh, that makes that, God's not. You are to treat your wife with dignity and respect as a joint heir, and and fully endowed by Christ. You have a spiritual authority and responsibility in the family, but you need to do it with understanding. Men, you're the leader, so next time you have a big fight, you're responsible if you let the sun go down on your anger. You're the one. I don't care how bad she was. Sorry, ladies. Occasionally, occasionally you do know how to get us. Occasionally. It's our own frustration, really. It's, it's a big deal. It's a, but see, here's the deal. Men, you, you can't pout and withdraw go into a little corner, it's not right. Ladies, don't make it hard for them. I'm just saying domestic problems are going to wreck you, can ruin your prayer life. It can affect you. You need to get right with your wife. What does it take to get right with her? I don't know. Sit down in a room and talk for five hours till you get it right. Well, that, well you get in a big fight. I don't care. Do it again until you finally get through it. Work through the issues and get to where you need to be because she's your helpmate. She loves you. There's nobody else like her for you, and it's perfect. What God's put together, let not man put asunder. 
and, and we, we don't use it properly, what God's done, and we, we get upset with each other, and then the next thing you know, there's no life in it. There's no prayer, nothing going on. I mean, it's not uncommon for people to say, we don't pray together as a husband and wife. It's too awkward. Hey, what's awkward about it? If it's that awkward, then break through the awkwardness. You've got to pray together. You've got to pray for your kids together. You've got to pray for your business together. You've got to pray, 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 pray. My dear son, Matthew, when he's a little boy, you've heard me say this before, I put him to bed one night. I said, oh, let's, he goes like this. He goes, he says, Lord, I just pray, 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 pray. I pray, 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 pray. Lord, I just pray, 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 pray for those Germans. <laughs> Help them, Lord. Amen. <laughs> he had watched a war movie, and the Nazis were so bad. He was about eight years old. I just pray, 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 pray. But you know what? We're, if Matt's in here, stay on that track. The effectual fervent prayer not passive, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Our prayers, let's be honest, our prayers don't bring, necessarily bring someone back from the dead. Sometimes we don't live to see a renegade teenager or a dear one pass on before our time or what we think is the time. I'm leaving the results to God. I'm to pray. Pride is the next one. He resists the proud. Proud people generally don't know they're proud, but can point out pride in other people. Isn't that interesting? A proud person definitely sees pride in other people. Pride and arrogance are polar opposite of God's nature. He gives grace to the humble, a broken and contrite spirit he will not despise. One more is robbing God. Prayer, these are prayer hindrances. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. This is Malachi 3, 8 through 11. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and contributions. We tithe to God, and the church is the storehouse for the community of faith. The tithe is an accountability and trust between you and God. A final one that I've say often is forgiveness. If you have ought against your brother and you bring your gift before the altar, first go get it right with your brother. He doesn't want your holiness when you're carrying bitterness or anger or resentment or hatred towards someone. Dispensing grace and forgiveness just as we have received from God. He says in Matthew, but if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive you. I don't know if you're aware of that. That was a very startling revelation to me. You're not forgiven if you don't forgive. I mean, that's what it says. I mean, someone, a Bible scholar can explain it to me more thoroughly after church. But basically he says, you're not forgiven if you don't forgive. If you're a grudge holder, why are you, what, why? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going on vacation right after church so you won't be able to find me. 
<laughs> Why are you carrying grudges? How is that working for you? It's a control mechanism we use. If you can, be, you can control somebody through your passive behavior, but it, all of these things in a family, particularly, it's just, it's death on family prayer. It's death on life. Prayer. They continually gave themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, and breaking of bread, and prayer. Dave and Jeannie, continually give yourself to the apostles' teaching. It's right in here. Fellowship. There are people you haven't met yet that will be part of your life. Two-way street. You have something to give them, and they have something to give you. Thirdly, the breaking of bread. May you be hospitable with people, and may you have people hospitable with you. And may every time you do communion be reminded of the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The apostles' teaching, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The Jews actually called it the prayers because there was a lot of scripted prayer like there is in um, more liturgical churches. So oftentimes you'll, the prayers you pray are prayers that were written by someone else. And those can be very meaningful. But the key to, to prayer is that it's coming out of your heart and it's a communication to God. So this Holy Spirit, who was at creation and inspired the Old and New Testaments, who came upon Joseph and Moses and Joshua and Gideon and Samson and David and Elijah and Elisha, who provided the Savior with an earthly body, the Holy Spirit conceived Jesus. The Holy Spirit who directed Jesus out into the wilderness the Holy Spirit that was with Jesus all his earthly days. He told the disciples to wait, and they went into a prayer meeting. Acts chapter 2, Peter gives a message, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 4, the room shakes. Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira um, had lied to the Holy Spirit and passed away. Acts 6, Stephen, full of power in the Holy Spirit. Acts 8, Paul persecuting Christians. By Acts 9, he's on his face and blind, and, it's, and Ananias comes to him to receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, Cornelius, a Roman centurion who was not Jewish, revealed that the Holy Spirit was not just for Jewish believers, but for all of humanity. The Holy Spirit fell on individual people in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, 120 felt the tongues of fire. Women, men, old, young. It wasn't just a prophet or a David or a Samuel. In that tradition, and that reality is who you are. I have no idea what God has in store for you. How many know what's coming up next? 
Anybody? I don't. I just know that he's in our boat, and I know that your prayers make a huge difference. Prayers can be, it can be really hard to pray. I, I, how many have ever prayed and they were so distracted they just feel like they're talking to themselves almost? It's hard. But stay with it. And our dear friend Armin Gesswein, who passed away, but he, he was an amazing man. He, he was in, with Billy Graham in an all-night prayer meeting in 1947 up at Lake Arrowhead, and they were about 2 in the morning. Uh, people were just in quiet prayer. They, he got up and said, I believe God has his hand on Billy. And all those men laid hands on Billy Graham, and he went from there and did the tent revival in Los Angeles. Billy Graham started, it was prayer. Well, Armin was telling me, you know, about prayer. He said, you know, my wife's from the North, not the North Pole, what is it? The Arctic, the North, huh? Norway, but the up above the Arctic Circle, that's it. <laughs> yeah, his wife's from the North Pole. <laughs> he said, <laughs> he said, and he loves her, and they've gone all over the world, but he said, Armin loved baseball. He was a big St. Louis Cardinals fan. If he could, if he hadn't been called in the ministry, I think he would have tried to make it in baseball. He's a great athlete. I used to play golf with him, and he was 93. But he was telling me, he says, you know, I took my wife to a baseball game, and she's bored stiff. Ladies, do you get it? If you take Courtney to a baseball game, she won't be bored. You know why? She played softball in college. It's in her. She knows when people advance on the bases. She knows about double plays. But if, if baseball's not in you, you'd rather watch paint dry. <laughs> if prayer is not in you, you want the experts to pray for you, but you don't have to do it yourself. And Prayer has to get in us. When you play golf, if you play with a golfer, golf is in them. If you get with an artist, art is in them. They appreciate it. And people that don't appreciate it have a hard time. And then some people are drawn into it and learn and grow. If you're not a prayer person, you can become that. And it's not always, it's not how loud always and enthusiastic you, it's just your heart before God.